Chapter Twenty One of The Hidden Hand. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Bridget. The Hidden Hand by E. D. E. N. Southworth. Chapter Twenty One. Gabriel Lenore. Nought's had, all spent, when our desires are gained without content. Shakespeare. The Colonel exclaimed the three men in a breath as the door opened and a tall, handsome, and distinguished looking gentleman, wrapped in a black military cloak and having his black beaver pulled low over his brow, strode into the room. All arose upon their feet to greet him as though he had been a prince. With a haughty wave of the hand, he bade them resume their seats and, beckoning their leader, said, Donald, I would have a word with you. At your command, Colonel, said the outlaw, rising and taking a candle and leading the way into the adjoining room. The same in which fourteen years before old Granny Grewell and the child had been detained. Setting the candle upon the mantelpiece, Black Donald stood waiting for the visitor to open the conversation, a thing that the latter seemed in no hurry to do, for he began walking up and down the room in stern silence. You seem disturbed, Colonel, at length, said the outlaw. I am disturbed, more than disturbed. I am suffering. Suffering, Colonel? I suffering. From what think you? The pangs of remorse. Remorse! Ha 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 ha! laughed the outlaw till all the rafters rang. Ay, man, you may laugh, but I repeat that I am tortured with remorse. And for what do you suppose? For those acts of self preservation that fanatics and fools would stigmatize as crimes? No, my good fellow, no, but for one unacted crime. I told your honor so, cried the outlaw triumphantly. Donald, when I go to church as I do constantly, I hear the preacher prating of repentance, but man, I never knew the meaning of the word until recently. And I can almost guess what it is that has enlightened your honor, said the outlaw. Yes, it is that miserable old woman and babe. Donald, in every vein of my soul, I repent not having silenced them both for ever while they were yet in my power. Just so, Colonel, the dead never come back, or if they do, are not recognized as property holders in this world. I wish your honor had taken my advice and sent that woman and child on a longer journey. Donald, I was younger then than now. I shrank from bloodshed, said the man in a husky voice. Bah, superstition! Bloodshed! Blood is shed every day. We kill to live, say the butchers. So do we. Every creature preys upon some other creature weaker than himself. The big beasts eat up the little ones. Artful men live on the simple. So be it. The world was made for the strong and cunning. Let the weak and foolish look to themselves, said the outlaw, with a loud laugh. While he spoke, the visitor resumed his rapid, restless striding up and down the room. Presently he came again to the side of the robber and whispered, Donald, that girl has returned to the neighborhood, brought back by old Warfield. My son met her in the woods a month ago, fell into conversation with her, heard her history, or as much of it as she herself knows. Her name is Capitola. She is the living image of her mother. How she came under the notice of old Warfield, to what extent he is acquainted with her birth and rights, what proofs may be in his possession, I know not. All that I have discovered after the strictest inquiry that I was able to make is this that the old beggar woman that died and was buried at Major Warfield's expense was no other than Nancy Grewell returned. That night before she died, she sent for Major Warfield and had a long talk with him, and shortly afterward the old scoundrel travelled to the north and brought home this girl. Humph! It is an ugly business, your honor, especially with your honor's little prejudice against. Donald, this is no time for weakness. I have gone too far to stop. Capitola must die. That's so, Colonel. The pity is that it wasn't found out fourteen years ago. It is so much easier to pinch a baby's nose until it falls asleep than to stifle a young girl's shrieks and cries. Then the baby would not have been missed. 
but the young girl will be sure to be inquired after. I know that there will be additional risk, but there shall be the larger compensation, larger than your most sanguine hopes would suggest. Donald, listen, said the colonel, stooping and whispering low. The day that you bring me undeniable proofs that Capitola Lenore is dead, you finger one thousand dollars. Ha, 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 laughed the outlaw in angry scorn. Capitola Lenore is the sole heiress of a fortune, in land, negroes, coal mines, iron foundries, railway shares, and bank stock of half a million of dollars, and you ask me to get her out of your way for a thousand dollars. I'll do it, you know I will. Ha, ha, ha. Why, the government doesn't value your whole carcass at more than I offer you for the temporary use of your hands, you villain, frowned the colonel. No ill names, your honor. Between us they are like kicking guns, apt to recoil. You forget that you are in my power. I remember that your honor is in mine. Ha, ha, ha. The day Black Donald stands at the bar, the Honorable Colonel Lenore will probably be beside him. Enough of this. Confound you. Do you take me for one of your pals? No, your worship. My pals are too poor to hire the work done, but then they are brave enough to do it themselves. Enough of this, I say. Name the price of this new service. Ten thousand dollars. Five thousand in advance. The remainder when the deed is accomplished. Extortioner. Shameless, ruthless extortioner. Your honor will fall into that vulgar habit of calling ill names. It isn't worth while. It doesn't pay. If your honor doesn't like my terms, you needn't employ me. What is certain is that I cannot work for less. You take advantage of my necessities. Not at all. But the truth is, Colonel, that I am tired of this sort of life, and wish to retire from active business. Besides, every man has his ambition, and I have mine. I wish to emigrate to the glorious West, settle, marry, turn my attention to politics, be elected to Congress, then to the Senate, then to the Cabinet, then to the White House. For success in which career, I flatter myself nature and education have especially fitted me. Ten thousand dollars will give me a fair start. Many a successful politician, your honor knows, has started on less character and less capital. To this impudent slander the colonel made no answer. With his arms folded, and his head bowed upon his chest, he walked moodily up and down the length of the apartment. Then, muttering, Why should I hesitate? He came to the side of the outlaw and said, I agree to your terms. Accomplish the work, and the sum shall be yours. Meet me here on to-morrow evening to receive the earnest money. In the meantime, in order to make sure of the girl's identity, it will be necessary for you to get sight of her beforehand, at her home if possible. Find out her habits and her haunts, where she walks or rides, when she is most likely to be alone, and so on. Be very careful. A mistake might be fatal. Your honor may trust me. And now good-bye. Remember to-morrow evening, said the colonel, as, wrapping himself closely in his dark cloak, and pulling his hat low over his eyes, he passed out by the back passage door, and left the house. Ha, ha, ha! Why does that man think it needful to look so villainous? If I were to go about in such a bandit-like dress as that, every child I met would take me for—what I am, laughed Black Donald, returning to his comrades. During the next hour the other members of the band dropped in, until some twenty men were collected together in the large kitchen around the long table, where the remainder of the night was spent in revelry. End of chapter 21